0: To the green scene.
1: So, um, this one's actually from a while back. I've been hanging on to this too. We've been busy doing different things. Uh, this one is from Science Daily, dated back to February 5th of this year, uh, through the Cambridge University because everybody knows, you know, cool Cambridge. Like, I didn't go there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, this one might be interesting to Kevin because I don't know just because he's originally from China doesn't mean. He'll know everything about China because that's that's kind of crazy. It's like saying, oh, we're Canadians, so we got to just automatically know everything about Canada. But he might find it interesting, and maybe he does know something about this, so he might be able to chime in. But um, they have found that the greenhouse gas emissions have changed forest growth uh, habitat to become more favorable to bats in southern China. And so a lot of the habitat has gone from tro- tropical shrubland to tropical savanna and deciduous woodland, which is very conducive to a lot of the bat species. So they found an additional, on top of the bats that they already had, they found an additional 40 different bat species uh, within southern China. And unfortunately, I don't want anybody to diss bats because I think bats are really awesome, but bats in more southerly climates can transmit and carry more diseases but that's like a lot of things right so um like
2: covid can't yeah. cancel back.
1: well actually that that's a good point there uh kevin because this is interesting so including a hundred more types of bat born coronaviruses i didn't even know there was that many coronaviruses out there um so now they're starting to wonder uh again the whole speculation of oh, did it start in some research facility or at a food stand or whatever, Uh, whatever, you know, I mean, who knows? But the fact that the climate change is directing the bats to become more prevalent, and therefore, obviously, with higher numbers, there's going to be more uh, diseases and things carried by them so the sheer sheer numbers increase is increasing the odds that there's going to be more corona type viruses and other ones um, which then if they're contacting other species like humans there's more of an incidence of the possibility of, of jumping species as well um, and introducing new pathogens to an area that didn't have them before and maybe that indigenous uh, group of you know, whether it's humans or animals or plants, uh, are not equipped to deal with the the new pathogens that are coming in. So I just thought that was, um, interesting. So, so
0: what you're saying is we should cool the area.
1: No, well, see, that's the funny <laughs> thing is, uh, some of this sounds like it's at some of the places are becoming a little more arid as opposed to the tropical, uh, that they were. And, and that's what the bats seem to like. But, um, It just shows that it's not really global warming or you know, it's, it's this climatic shift is what it is. So, I mean, you see places where it was warm, now it's cold. Other places it was cold, now it's warm. Other places it was wet, now it's dry. Basically, it just seems to be whatever your area was, it's gradually going to the opposite (laughs) almost, or sometimes more extreme, like in Alberta, where you get everything within the course of a week. But yeah, it's just those extreme shifts again, which are causing all, it's all these little things that are adding up, right? So everybody that's thinking, Oh, this whole climatic change thing—it's not a big deal, and it's—you know—everybody's blowing it out of proportion. Well, there's so many little things, and everything's so connected; it is making a big difference. Like, it's think of dropping a pebble in a pool, and then it just radiates out from there. So, there's things happening all over the place that you didn't even think were related. So, I just thought that was a an interesting one. Um, I don't know if you guys have anything to say about it or not.
0: Um. <laughs> no
1: <laughs> wow that was a big hesitation <laughs> you had to really think about that
0: i was trying to think of something witty but it it left my brain so i'm just gonna stop
1: <laughs> and uh and what about kevin because again i know you're you're from over there but that doesn't necessarily mean you know everything over there so i don't know if you've got anything to say or not
0: it,
2: uh, yeah like you said doesn't mean that i know everything no but- I'm Kevin, so I know everything.
1: Oh, he just knows everything about everything. That's <laughs> although
2: I'm not actually from Southern China. No, because that's something. Yeah,
1: I, I realized this is right. all Southern, which is a different area from where you grew up. But I just thought, well, you know, you might, you might even just find it interesting because it's. China, right? I don't know. Like I, I like hearing stuff about all across Canada, even though I'm in in the one province. But anyway. yeah,
2: but the thing is that I heard that the, they were saying that Amelia, yeah, be quiet. <laughs> the thing they were saying is that um, coronavirus it came from those peasants eating bats, right? Yeah, and then there's different now after your news, I just feel that the reason why they start to eat bats, it's probably because there are more bats more them. now. They can yeah. just yeah, they can just probably find bats like birds in the backyard. And that's the thing like, is oh, it's is
1: it's a numbers thing. It doesn't necessarily mean there's a more more prevalence because there's more diseases flowing through the bats or anything else. It just means there are more bats. Therefore there's obviously going to be more of everything else related, right? Yeah. yeah probably
2: they just See those stuff and they're like, oh, you know what, we can just probably try it. Cause you know Chinese, they uh, they're they're probably the first one who started eating crab. Every time they see something new, they just started just be like, oh, that thing looks kinda delicious. Let's just try it.
1: Sure. Well, and that when and, and when you have billions of people to feed, well, you're looking for food sources everywhere, right? Yeah. Anyway, um, another I guess green scene. Um, this one's by. It's kind of cute by the Happy Eco News guys. Um, I find that interesting that they're they're literally happy is in their name, but they do have a reputation for having good, uh, reliable news about the ecological scene. Uh, this one's from February the thirteenth of this year, and so uh, you're, it's funny. Dan was talking a bit about Denmark, I think, in mm-hmm. about the the eelgrass. Well, here's Denmark again. Now they're building the world's first artificial island as a base for hundreds of wind turbines. I think we talked a little bit about wind turbines and the far- wind farms or something in one of our other episodes. But this one will be the biggest one ever built. And if you ever uh, want to look look up some pictures, it's just like uh, the just like the ones down in um, uh, where's Windyville down so, like by. Uh, Uh, Crowsness Pass, Lethbridge, all around there. But just masses of them in a grid on the ocean. It's crazy. Um, But the reason why they're doing that is because the wind's more consistent at sea. So they can get more regular power production. And obviously land space isn't wasted. So I just thought that was interesting. And I think along with that, I think it's South Korea was doing something... I don't know if they're the ones that had, oh yes, um, oh, that's what it is. I'm backwards, sorry. So Denmark's building the first world's uh, artificial island for hundreds of wind turbines, but South Korea, their farm is going to be far bigger than the current largest one. I don't think they're doing an island though, they're just, theirs are out in the ocean versus Denmark's building an island. But don't quote me on that. You can always look that up. So yeah, I thought that was pretty freaky. And then
0: yeah, I'm just looking at the picture of the Denmark one. Yeah, yeah it's pretty big. incredible. Hey, what they say, 50 miles, 80 kilometers offshore. And I can't 100. remember if they
1: said how much power that could generate, because that would be a lot.
0: I don't see a specific number, but they said it would power about three million households with green energy. So yeah, again, that's you a, don't know that's how a much, lot. What the average is, but yeah, I mean, just having. Yeah, something like that, <laughs> where you're not producing any greenhouse gases or very little. And yeah, you're able to provide that much energy to a population. Pretty good. Now, the interesting thing would be seeing what the effects are for building this artificial structure in the middle of the ocean. with.
1: Well, that's the, the next thing, right? Nearby, like what's- it's like, I don't know if they did all the research beforehand and made sure they planted it in an area where it's just... Sand and nothing much there. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if there are, are any negative or positive effects over the next however many years as they're running this. But yeah, yeah cause, I mean,
0: you run into those issues when wind turbines are above ground. With uh, how is it affecting kind of the <laughs> area around it? Because you think, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's just collecting wind and comparing that wind to uh, to energy that we can use. But kind of all the ecosystems and organisms that are around there, how is it affecting it? And people have talked about how. Yeah, like it's, sometimes it's not great for uh, birds if they're kind of hanging around there. And that's kind of their local area. But yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, any follow up as to what the effects are for on an ocean level, kind of looking yeah. underground. Yeah, because above yeah. ground can't see it being too much of an issue.
1: Well, it might um, it might reduce the seagulls. That might be a good thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, eighty I kilometers don't... offshore, though. I don't, <laughs> I don't think you have to worry too much about many things it's hard cramp, to say but yeah, but yeah it'll, also... be,
1: it'll be interesting but we always try to look at all the all the different sides to see how things might might go and we speculate a lot <laughs> mm-hmm. so um but yeah and then another one in the happy eco news uh from february 23rd of this year um have you guys heard about the the evs uh autonomous short haul delivery vehicles that they've been talking about how oh yeah they're coming they're coming or whatever well i guess now a company called gatik Gatik. They're going to begin operations using these at WalMarts in New Orleans, and they're going to be using converted Ford Transit 350 HD. So we'll we'll be we'll see what happens down there, and if it's all good, then 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 they can come up here. Because <laughs> I don't know. Oh, sorry,
0: I, they're working with Walmart and who else?
1: Uh, Gatik is the company that's doing the conversions of the vehicles, and they'll be providing operations out of out of the Walmarts and then Walmarts has agreed to try using them. So it'll be interesting. It'll there'll be uh EVs and they'll be autonomous. So self-driving electric vehicles. Apparently they have a range of 190 kilometers, which is pretty darn good as far as I can tell for a uh electric vehicle. And they can get fully charged in less than 90 minutes. So um I know the first prototypes is like Oh well, that's great. Now that we ran you dry in half an hour, and then now it's going to take all day to charge you, so it's it do, it didn't really make sense for anything other than little tiny trips in town.
0: Yeah, that's always my hesitation with uh, electric vehicles. It's like, yeah, no, I'd like to try, like you know kind of switch over to something like that, but a having the infrastructure, especially here in Alberta, to be able to charge it easily enough if you're on a road trip or something. Uh, but b um, the range of it too because yeah i think i was looking at the new toyota one that they're coming out with that uh or is out already uh, that has like a range i think of like 70 kilometers and again that's kind of like a it's not just electric it's kind of a mix but just on hybrid, the electric yeah. side of it alone it's um 70 clicks so for yeah in the city driving that's really nice because you could maybe go a couple days without uh having to use gas at all so uh, yeah that wouldn't be too bad but yeah a having that infrastructure is pretty key and b and then yeah c2 is the uh charging because yeah usually when i hear about people getting electric vehicles the big complaint is uh how long it takes to charge because yeah you almost have to leave it overnight just to get a full uh charge so you have to leave it for a couple hours but having to have a fully charged with this uh company within what you said 90 minutes
1: yeah less than 90 minutes so that's, yeah like that's mm, that's pretty
0: good so have. that's a that's a pretty efficient uh, uh, charge there.
2: <laughs> One more thing is that how well it's going to hold the charge when it's minus 40 outside. Think about you're going to walk mm-hmm. pocket outside for like eight hours. When you come
0: out, it doesn't stop. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cause yeah, it's not as big an issue when you're in Louisiana or kind of further. Well, that's south, the thing. But- this is
1: all Southern climate. So we'll see what happens there. And then can they transfer that to our Northern climate needs? Right. But, uh, That and uh, I don't know. I still have the autonomous thing. Um, I think it is a good start to do it with uh, public service vehicles, like, you know, the busing, the taxi, the delivery stuff. But I get worried when it gets into private people's hands because then, autonomous or not, I just feel like. There's more opportunity for mistakes. (laughs) But if it's Mm -hmm. if it's a regular
0: for the classic 04 movie or whenever it came out, the iRobot with Will Smith.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, no, it's just like if it's (laughs) a regular route that you're going on, that's one thing because it's it's just going back and forth doing the same thing. But if it's something that's changing all the time, then I just think there's gonna be more opportunity for something to mess up and god forbid there's more accidents and stuff. But we will see. We'll just sit here and uh, see.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you look at all the Tesla stuff when they were doing all the test driving and some of the stories that came out of that of, mm-hmm. well, some people just kind of assuming, well, it's autonomous, so I don't have to pay attention at all. But it's like uh, the technology's not at that point where <laughs> uh, you can just kind of <laughs> do whatever you want in the car and not really think about uh, the driving. You you kind of a little have a little bit of the ease of not having to constantly be, you know, checking all the different gauges and, Making sure everything's running smoothly, but uh, you still have to do a little bit of that. You can't just be, ah, I'm going to read a book and not pay attention at all because yeah. <laughs> there have been some crashes or people not fully paying attention. So.
1: And I realize humans. And I still wouldn't trust it errors, though. Even
0: even if the yeah. technology gets really good, I still. I couldn't sleep I in one.
1: I, could, I couldn't. <laughs> I just couldn't. I'd be like, ah, I want to be in control. I want to be in control. And I realize humans make a lot of errors too, but I just, yeah. I know, knowing that I've got control over my own screw ups would be. <laughs> I don't know we'll see how things go maybe I will I will gradually change my mind but um, but yeah if they could get to the point where at least delivery vehicles and buses and taxis could do that I think that'd make sense because that could be a monotonous drive back and forth for humans and then that is an opportunity for more errors there if you're a little bit tired and doing the same monotonous driving all the time right so Mm -hmm. but, uh, but yeah we'll see but yeah, so that, that is it for the, for the green scene stuff for me today.
2: This concludes another episode of Regenerative Landscapes. Please leave a comment, subscribe. For more information, go to fescue.ca and mmgardens.ca.
1: China. China. China, right? I don't know.